in technique, you have mostly right and wrong or good and bad. With choreography, nothing is wrong. In art, you have no right or wrong. As a dancer and choreographer, any movement should mean something. It's not just dancing on music and acrobatics. It's a performance. Everything you do has to look as beautiful as possible. And that's so it's ingrained that this is artistic. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Roddick, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events, and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 27 of the Gymnastics Growth Show with Dutch national junior coach and choreographer Damon Montaigne-Jones. I was fortunate enough to spend a couple of days with Damon recently as he was delivering a choreography masterclass as part of my masterclass series. Damon, who is American-born, has extensive experience as a professional dancer, travelling the world as part of some of the world's biggest and most known productions. Whilst dancing, Damon always felt compelled to return to gymnastics and did so in Holland, where he's climbed the ranks to be a top personal coach plus national coach for juniors, as well as choreographing some of the world's most artistic floor routine, including Celine Van Herner's historic routine to Cats at the 2018 European Championships. This was an in-person interview, which I always feel helps the flow of conversation. Whether you're a woman's artistic coach or not, there's some gold to take away from this episode, where Damon talks about what artistry is, why it's imperative all coaches invest time to develop their athletes' artistic qualities, the relationship between choreography and all other technical skills, and what direction he'd like to see the code of points move in. As always, please let me know what you think of this episode by sharing your thoughts on social media, tagging me at Nick Ruddock and using the hashtag GymnasticsGrowth. Let's get into episode 27, a fantastic episode with Damon Montaigne-Jones. Damon, thank you very much for spending the time with me to do this podcast. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, really excited for you to be here. Obviously, you're here to help deliver a, uh, actually not help deliver, you are solely delivering the Choreography Masterclass tomorrow. So um, very excited about that. Going to be a great day. And I thought, what better opportunity to sit down with you and uh, interview you, gain some of your knowledge and experience that you've got. So um, why don't we just start with your background or your introduction to gymnastics? How did that start? What was your first step into the world of gymnastics? Okay. So in 1984, I think I was like eight years old, uh, the Olympics were in LA, which is about an hour north of where I'm from. And um, in the town I was, the, um, uh, the flame relay. So my mom took us, my brother and I, to go see that. And I was interested, like, what is, what is all this? So my mom decided to take us to go see the gymnastics in, in Los Angeles. So we saw this whole Mary Lou Retton thing live. Nice. So this was my first inspiration as, wow, this is amazing. Um, I'd already been in ballet. So uh, I was already interested in movement or as, a, as much as a child could be. But also that summer I saw at a SeaWorld production, um, um, a movie and a show about uh, Nadia Komenich. So this summer was actually my really flame towards yeah. gymnastics. And so I said, yeah, mom, I want to do gymnastics, simple. So yeah, so from when I was eight years old, I was actually dancing and doing gymnastics. And that's where my passion started. Very cool. Yeah. So it's like you, we went straight in for the inspiration. Yeah, for the gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So what city was that that you did gymnastics to start with? San Diego. San Diego. Okay. And then, and then you, you stayed the course there for quite some time? Yes. Oh, so I did um, both the 
first ballet and then other styles of dancing and gymnastics at the same time until about I was 14. And then I was about at a level where I had to choose. So I was getting good enough where I couldn't do both. So at that time, I actually quit dancing and I focused on gymnastics. Um, and I loved gymnastics and I was so interested in it. And I loved to do uh, floor and vault and I was quite good. But the other events, I found so boring. I did not even want to look at the pomodors. <laughs> I just wanted to be on the beam with the, with, with the girls on their side. And yeah. I was just more interested in uh, uh, the artistic side of gymnastics, which I find, okay, men's gymnastics is also beautiful, but I don't find it as artistic and as a show as women's gymnastics. Sure. So then um, in high school, I also was on the gymnastics team, but also helped the, uh, the girls team with their choreographies and helped them as, as an assistant coach. That was kind of my first starting with coaching. And um, already from 15, I was um, kind of teaching gymnastics at the, at the gymnastics club there. Not at a high level, but I was, I was in the gym, I was coaching and, and, and doing choreography art at that age. Not really like conscious of it, but I was already using kind of my dancing background from, from an early age. Sure. When did you move to, to the Netherlands? How did that happen? Okay, so there's a lot in between. Right. Um, <laughs> is there, okay, we can go back. So, if, so fill in some gaps if you think they're relevant. Okay. Uh, so basically I did gymnastics until I was 18 and then quit and I got a cheerleading scholarship to uh, college. Okay. Um, and that's a big deal, right? Getting a, a big getting deal. A, yeah, 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 nice. And it, it, it's, it's a high level sport there. And yeah. I was of course like the, the acrobat in the front. Mm -hmm. When I got there, I didn't. Uh, it, the team vibe was not good. I wasn't enjoying it. But luckily, at the same time, the same school had a really good performing arts program. So I thought, for fun, I'm just going to go back into it and see if I can still dance. And uh, within a couple of months, my teachers there said, "If you can focus on this, within a couple of years, you can turn professional." So um, I did an audition and I got a job uh, on a cruise ship. So that meant from one day to the next, I had to get a passport and I had to go. Wow. So that was the start of my dancing career. But at that point, I also was uh, still teaching gymnastics, and I was actually in the gym almost six days a week and uh, had a lot of responsibility there. So at this point, I had to kind of just leave gymnastics for a while and start dancing. And that's when I uh, moved away. That was 1995. Mm -hmm. So I've not actually lived in America since, and that's why I've been abroad living in different countries. I did um, professional dancing shows, uh, musicals, and that was for about 15 years. Amazing. All the time knowing my real passion is gymnastics and I'm going to go back and use my theatrical knowledge and dance knowledge to take that to gymnastics and try to make a difference there. Which you certainly have done. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. really cool. Um, and you, you settled in the Netherlands uh, just as a result of a good opportunity. Yes. Yeah, so I lived in various and lived and worked in various countries in Europe. And uh, one of the countries I did a musical in was Netherlands. I did a tour of cats there actually. And um, one of the people I work with in the show was actually the best friend of Patrick Keynes. So, and I, that's how I got to know him. Okay. And a couple of years before that, I was already busy with getting my license in Germany because I already, already knew I was kind of finishing my, my dancing career. I was getting a bit older, but I, um, I thought, okay, well, I, I know this person, Patrick, and I uh, knew actually Frank Lauter, who was also a coach uh, that was working with him at the time from the 2001 World Championships. Because when I was dancing, I still sort of kept up with gymnastics by going to see the Athens Olympics, to go see London, to go see some World Championships. That was yep. kind of my, my uh, liaison with gymnastics still. So I thought basically, okay, if the time is right, finish dancing for now. Um, what I have to do is basically start all over, all over new. So new career, I decided to move to Holland. So for 30 hours a week, I worked alongside the, the best coaches, uh, not being paid at all. Mm -hmm. 
So that was basically my investment to become a top level coach and choreographer. And when I first started, actually, I thought I'm going to go and I'm just going to be a choreographer and maybe work with Beam. But uh, after a few months, I thought, no, I want to be an all around coach. I think it'd be great to be able to do all the uh, events at a high level and be able to travel to uh, top competitions. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I think important context here is obviously you're, you're here in Great Britain because tomorrow you're going to do a choreography masterclass. You've got, clearly got expertise, great background in that, but you are an all-around coach. In fact, you're the junior national coach for the Netherlands. So it's, it's, uh, it's great that you've succeeded in that journey and that mission of not just being a choreographer, but being yeah. a high-level all-around coach. So yeah. I think that's amazing. You, you're wearing those three hats. Yeah. So you're wearing the hat of personal coach because you've got personal coaching uh, responsibilities with your own athletes the national junior coach role, um, and, then, and then choreography. Do you see those as separate roles? So choreography and, and personal coach? I mean, obviously for yourself, it's completely integrated, but do you, do you think that's normal or should be the norm for other coaches as well? Normally there's a, there's a choreographer and that choreographer does beam and choreography. And uh, then there's like another coach that does the technical things. When I first decided I wanted to be an all-around coach, I thought, okay, where do I need to focus? I need to focus on the, uh, the technique or events that I'm not necessarily strong on. So I went over to those bars and I stood by those bars and I learned and I watched and I asked questions and I made that my favorite event. So even though I'm choreographer and I'm an expert, you could say I'm, I'm with Beam as well. Would say, definitely. Um, I love doing bars. That's my favorite event now. Okay. Just because I made that my challenge mm. and acrobatics involved. So I thought, it, yeah, if I, my vision is if I can go to those events and learn everything about technique and everything about lines there, then I think a coach that is a technical coach that thinks, oh, I'm not a choreographer, can also go by the beam or go uh, take a few courses about the movement and style and also become, you can say, a choreographer. Mm -hmm. Because everything is all about a line. It's all about movement gymnastics, movement in a line, a beautiful line, a tight line, the, a, a specific line. Choreography is exactly the same. Actually, choreography is actually easier because in sport, in technique, you have mostly right and wrong or good and bad. With choreography, nothing is wrong. In art, you have no right or wrong. You may have something like, oh, I don't like that, but maybe the next person next to you does. Yeah. So I think that's even easier to learn. So I think that being an all-around coach, doing four events, plus being a choreographer is something really attainable for many people. And that's kind of like, what I want to offer at this uh, masterclass tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I guess if you can uh, have the technical eye to look at the intricacies of like a double twisting Ichenko yeah. or something, then then you, you should be able to use that that knowledge, that eye, that expertise, and and like you said, just transfer that over to the floor um, on a piece of choreography. Sure, yeah. absolutely, why not? So you'd say that obviously your background and experience looking at details, looking at standards, looking at positions has really helped you and lent itself on those other apparatus as well, maybe accelerated the learning, do you think? Definitely. Yeah. What, what is a good line? What is a beautiful line? What is style? That's actually the thing. That's what we bring in the Netherlands to gymnastics is a style. And that you see on bars as well, that you can see on vaults. What is a beautiful uh, uh, run up to the, 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 the table? Mm. What is beautiful acrobatics? What is a perfect uh, uh, Tkachev line? It's style, it's a good line. And that's the same with choreography. Yeah. It's not just a movement, it's a long movement. Yeah, it's a, a soft movement. It's a hard accent. It's, I, I find it all in, one and the same. Yeah. So I find it strange that people think that you can not be a, a coach for bars and beam, but all, and, and also be a choreographer 
I find that strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this is why I asked the question. It's good to get into the mindset because yeah. it's not just yourself. Um, of course, you've got Patrick as well. Yeah. Um, it's part of the. I, I want to say the brand of the Netherlands. Like yeah. you can, you can see that it's part of your vision, your strategy. Um, it definitely is a strategy because you've got this nailed as a, as a nation. We all know the audience, the judges, other athletes that when Team Netherlands walk out onto the competition floor, they're going to look classy. Yeah, you know whether they make a mistake or not, they're going to look classy, yeah. and and that's what you guys have achieved. Yeah. Um, I I would say over a relatively short period of time because it wasn't always the case, was it? No, and I think it has to do with the few of us choreographers that are there. We really channel what we've been trained in, and that's theater, performing arts. Um, and what I was saying earlier, performing arts. If you do what's normal, then you're going to fail. What you have to do is think differently. What is weirder? What is strange? Uh, what is what some people might think ugly or over the top? And those are the things that really break the boundaries and actually create new things. And that's in sports maybe a bit yeah, strange because it's conservative in sports, but in theater, that's normal. Yeah, being and disruptive. Exactly, exactly. Which leads us nicely into European Championships 2018. I was going to have this uh, later on, but I think that you've led me into it nicely now. Okay. Um, you'd obviously, you, you were the choreographer for Celine van Gerner's uh, Cats routine, which I have to say was a masterpiece. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed that. That was an outstanding routine. Um, and we had the controversy around the, the makeup. Yeah. Do you want to just talk a little bit about the decision to do that and to, sure. to you know, what was, what was kind of the, the, the strategy or the plan there? Okay. Well, I'll take you back to when we started the routine, uh, the choreography. Yeah. So someone has suggested to Celine she should do maybe like a, um, a, a routine that is from like a musical or show. And then someone said, you should work with Damon to do Cats because he did Cats for seven years in different countries, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, we'll, we'll give this a try. So, but the movement of a cat in the musical, in the style is, is quite difficult. It's the, moving the whole body and having a sense of, of, an, of an animal awareness, but at the same time, you're a, a person. So it's a really strange mix. And that's actually the style that the choreographer Gillian Lin had made for us in the show. So um, I came to Celine and we we're like, okay, let's just do kind of a, a tryout session of the movement. So we didn't even start choreography. We just did the actual cat acting exercises we did when we learned the show. And we would spend a lot of time with this crawling. I would make lots of noise and have her react as a cat would react. Mm -hmm. uh, what, is she, what is she hearing? How does that ear move? So we started really basic uh, cat acting. And I noticed right away she could totally do it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got this nailed. So <laughs> excitement. Yeah. yeah. And we started the movements. And um, of course, I didn't want to use the original choreography, but I wanted to have it to be somewhat of an homage to what the, the original style is. And um, that was difficult, but I think I did a pretty good job in the end of that. Um, and she just picked it up. Like it was awesome. She really, the hip movements, the the head movements, it was all just like you would do it in, in the musical. Yeah. And I told her, if you audition, you're gonna get the job right away. So that was re really awesome. And I think we finished um, the routine, I think two and a half hours. So that's, yeah, you can do it long and short, but it was the, the, at the level it was, was quite, quite good. Wow. So then after she, I didn't really see her for a while. And um, then I saw her at a training camp, I want to say four months later. And I said, okay, let's see the routine. And it did not look good. Right. So I was like, okay, we're in trouble here. It was no commitment to it. It was like a bit frenzied. And, and um, so this training camp, I think she was uh, not able to jump. So she could only do a couple of events. So we really used that time 
to really go deep in the choreography. And at the end of the camp, it looked right again. It mm -hmm. looked like what the level it should be. And I said, yeah, if you ever have a gala or so, maybe we should, I, I still have my cat uh, costume, my wig, and I have all that stuff at home. Yeah. I said, maybe you just put on a costume and then, yeah, really go for the full way. And she like laughed and said, ha ha, good idea, maybe. And then, um, yeah, going to the championships, um, yeah, she did a great job with the routine. And uh, luckily I was there also with the junior team so I could uh, mm. uh, look at it a couple of times and give a few tips on, on choreography. And then she made the finals and that was awesome. Uh, and uh, she came in eighth, so she came up to me in the parking lot and said, well, let's try the makeup. And I was like, okay. So it was her cool. idea. Now we talked about it before, but okay. now it's her idea to really yeah. go for it. So I thought, cool, like this is normal. This is cool, you'd like to make mm -hmm. an extra step. Like in theater, this would be normal. Like I, I, it, I found it strange that there was such talk about it. It was controversial. Yeah. It was like, let's just make a, a, a bigger package to this production, basically. Yeah, so for me, it was not this huge, like, scary thing. It was like, yeah, yeah logical thing to do. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Was it expected, or not expected, it's never expected, but um, was it a target of her to make the floor final? I don't think so. Mm. I think because her start value was, I believe, 4.6, that it was, it, it would have been difficult. Yeah. Um, so I think she did not go into the, the competition really with that goal, per se. Yeah, I yeah. think they were going for the team. But, you know, meeting the, the code of points with outstanding execution. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, clearly, no deductions yep. for, for artistry. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, there was, uh, clearly there was con controversy. It split, it split the audience in terms of, you know, people talking online yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm totally in favor of it. Yeah. I think it was um, in a world of vanilla, in, in the, through the gymnastics world, yeah. where a lot of routines just look the same, um, it was disruptive. Yeah. And this is clearly something that the Dutch team and you guys, again, have got nailed. It's innovation. It's like, well, how can we push the boundaries of the sport? Um, and I'm sure getting people talking was part of the concept of how you, you know, Absolutely. was part of the strategy of that routine, wasn't it? Absolutely. Let's be different. So, I, I mean, kudos to you guys. And yeah. I think it would be great to see more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think in Europe as well, it's, if I see European championships, these things are more open. I think artistry is much more rewarded in European championships. Right. This uh, World Championships in Stuttgart was actually the first time I thought, okay, they're actually rewarding artistry as well. Like they're really kind of, um, in a way, rewarding the routines that had style, that had a theme. Yeah. Um, uh, like if you look at teams like Belgium as well, like they also didn't have the highest difficulty, but they had routines with theme and routines that are really uh, committed to. Yeah, Nina's routine, for yeah. example. And, yeah, and, yeah. And they scored. Mm, so, very well. Yeah, I think that's also, you, you don't have to necessarily have full costume and makeup or glitters, but also, but. I think more what we do in, the, in Holland is we create routines that have a theme that means something, not just waving your arms around and dancing, but yeah, a whole style when it comes to music choice. Um, uh, yeah, what is your story to your routine? What are your facial uh, movements and why do you do that? Then that's how we work in Holland. That's like normal. And we have that in our camps. When I work with also with the junior camps, we also do the same acting exercises that the seniors do. We do a lot with emotion, or we do a lot with character work, and this is all the stuff that I studied in school. It's yeah. all the things I, I did in performing arts. So I'm just bringing my knowledge and, and, and Patrick as well and taking mm. it to, to the national team. I guess you're just, you're committing. When you when they, that athlete steps onto the floor, they're yeah. committing to doing everything they can. Which is exactly what perform. you do when you go on a stage. Yeah. You don't do it's it half-hearted. No. Yeah, yeah. It's a you perform with intention. Yeah. And as a result, like you're training with intention. So yeah. in, in the camps, for example, like you said, you're you're dedicating training time yeah. to those activities. Yeah. And quite a significant amount of time as well. Am I right? Yeah, I would say for the junior national team, we have uh, monthly camps of three days. Yeah. And I would say we spend at least four hours on it. 
Mm. And that's a lot of time when yeah. you have a lot of other things to do. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But again, you've you've got a strategy. Uh, you know, this is what we're going to be good at. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. going to. You get good at whatever you spend quality time on. Sure. You're spending sufficient time on it with high standards, and you've yeah. got the you've got the uh, end result that you'd aim for. Sure, we don't have the double doubles yet. We don't have the aminars yet. But we've got to yeah choreography with a style theme and character work. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you can just take that. I mean, you've got a formula that works. Yeah. So find experts that have got experience in this, bring them in, make it an integral part of the program, train with intention, raise the standards. So you can just use that formula, can't you? Yeah. And then and replicate that hopefully along the other areas and. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before that double double comes out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, your vaults now are uh, much higher start yeah. value than they were. Yeah, because um, we're also we okay, we're, we're experts in in this uh, performance value, but then we also have experts coming in, with helping with the uh, the technique, uh, helping with power training, uh, helping with nutrition. So uh, the the national ke- team keeps building in its knowledge, uh, getting us ho- hopefully closer to those medals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just coming back to the Celine routine again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the FIG then made the decision to um, to not allow that style of makeup um, again in the future. Is that something that you kind of? I'm assuming you disagree with it because obviously it's something that you did on on the floor. Or do you agree with it? Okay, so I actually asked on a tell. I was like, okay, now you say you guys, the FIG is pr- wanting to promote artistry, but at the same time we're, d- we're taking a step in the direction of artistry. What I think as a performer is artistry, and we're we're being told that it's too much. So do you want us to step forward or do you not as want not want to step forward? So th- that was my discussion. And then it was quite vague as, okay, well, what is the makeup that's allowed, what's not? Because I see also other countries wearing a lot of makeup, not necessarily as an animal or so. Or yeah, not theatrical. Not but theatrical, yeah, yeah. right. But I think, in my opinion, it did not take away from the performance. I think it, uh, yeah, it was not distracting. It enhanced, uh, I think it enhanced the audience's um ability to, to see the character, to yeah. step into the world and to be kind of completely divulged into what Celine was doing on the floor. Exactly. That, was my, that was my perception. Exactly. Yeah. It just made the performance more performance, mm. not a circus distraction, I thought. What's your views on um, having lyrics in floor music? I am for it. You're for it, yeah. I, when you first think about it, you think, okay, we're going to hear things with Justin Bieber or whatever. <laughs> which, but um, if you see like figure skating, they yeah. now al- also have lyrics. And I thought watching the last Olympics, I'm like, this actually works because most of it is quite classy. Mm. It gives you much more um, uh, selection of what you can use. And I also was not distracted by it. Yep. So I, I'm really, really for it. I think it'll give a lot more. I guess it's down to the coaches and countries to pick. Exactly, but you music. also, with floor music with, without lyrics, also have really yeah, bad music, I think, or really music that does is not so beautiful or artistic in most people's opinion. Yes. So I think it would not be a big thing. Yeah. And I think that's also an, another step in artistic direction that gymnastics is sometimes quite conservative. And I think the traditionalists are afraid of such steps in direction and it can also be costume it can not necessarily be costumes that are out in the way are dangerous but why does it have to be just a leotard yeah 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 you're right are there any other things that you'd like to see changed within the world of women's women's gymnastics this is this is my thought what would be really cool now on bars and people say oh it's going to be too circus like but too high bars 
So you go oh. high, high bar, low bar, high bar. Because can you imagine the, how cool the combinations would that be? That would be cool. Uh, I think it'd flying be up and down, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you go Shaposhnikova into a bale and then immediately another one. I mean, there's just so many different combinations you could do. I think that would be really cool. But for some people, it sounds too circusy. Any other thoughts from, from yourself? I'd, I wonder why men's gymnastics doesn't have a little bit of choreography. Doesn't necessarily have to look feminine or, or so. And why, why not a, a bit of a dance style as well? Yeah. I think that would be something interesting to make even men's gymnastics a bit different. Yeah. You know, with the Dutch uh, women, we always do like this big uh, march in on the stage and all that. And I'm still waiting for the Dutch team, men's team men's to come team out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. Do you think, you know, on the scores, when you get a score, you get an E score and a D score. Yeah. Do you think they should separate artistry as well so that they had, yeah. you know, difficulty execution and artistry? This is the, the, the conversation we have with Donatella as well that we have to really train the judges to see what artistry actually is. Mm. And with when the next code is, they're going to try to implement that, that they have a lot more judging courses to show the judges what is choreography um, that's 3D? What is uh, a good releve? What is a, a good headline? What is uh, style? Yep. And these are the things that uh, many judges can't see because they're not trained dancers, and that's fair enough. But um, if there was like an artistry uh, panel I think that would also yeah, help the, the artistry of the sport. I know in Jim Macro, they have an artistry panel. And are they, okay, so the artistry panel, are they also your day-to-day -day gymnastics judges? Or is this a complete expert panel that I would come have an in? expert panel. Yeah, because then that would relieve the need to have, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. Someone that has like a dance background. Yeah, a dance background. And then they, they don't have Simple. to focus on anything else no. apart from the artistry. Yeah, okay, the, 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 the neckline is good. The releves sure. are good. Uh, the extension of the movement is is what it has to be, or it's not. And those are things that us as dancers can actually really easily see. Yeah. And I think for for some sports people, it's it's not easy to see. And this is uh, one thing I really want to get um, uh, going with with the coaches uh, tomorrow in your in your mm -hmm. clinic is how you can actually see what the movement is and how can you make that better and how can you make a good movement or a bigger movement or a more stylish movement. Yeah. And I think if judges can, if there's a set of judges that can see that, that would be awesome. But I think the next step they're gonna take is try to um, show and teach the judges or try to start learn, learning the judges how to see this. So that would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Um, because there's a lot of, a lot of deduction now with, the, with artistry but I think it's not really taken off mm. because I think they don't see it so well. I just think it would be useful when you get a score sheet to, to truly understand where your technical e-score deductions are yeah. and then your arch and, and separate that because then coaches, it's, it's in black and white. It's yeah. like, wow, we've just lost a mark here yeah. on, on artistry. You know, like that is a massive competitive disadvantage. We've right. got to spend more time there. Right. And then I think by doing that, we're going to raise the awareness of, for the coaches. And then in, in turn, so. by so. raising awareness, people will go, right, now we need to make a transformation. Yeah. You know? I hope so. Like one of the things that I think they want to change is in the corners uh, of, the, of the floor routine you have to do. Not you, the flamingo? No, there's no more flamingo. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want you moving. Or, uh, they don't want you standing still already. They want you moving. But what they want to hopefully implement in the next code is that you're moving with three-dimensional choreography. So you're not okay. just moving your arms. You're moving your whole body. Yep. So this is also one thing hopefully the judges will want to see and actually see and deduct or give credit for, and also if that moves to balance beam as well. Because sometimes you see the balance beam routines that also don't have a theme or a story, but that it can also be so. What, is, what, what does the movement on beam mean? And as a, as a dancer and choreographer, any movement should mean something. So I think that uh, 
hopefully the judges can uh, also be schooled in that. Yep. When you construct a routine, let's take the, I mean, you used the cat's example. You started off with, with Celine learning the character. Yeah. Is that something that you do with everybody? Yes. So you, you start with the story, the character first, you get that right, and then you move into the construction? Yes. So what I do is first, um, I have to either know the gymnast or have seen her and the way she can move and decide on a style that would be good for her. Mm -hmm. Then uh, I find a piece of music that will be suiting for her. And I first, first thing I do is listen to music and I write down on paper like words, like alone, patience, darkness, just w random words. So I think that I can maybe make a theme or a story or construction with this, these words. Then I write the music out and I see where everything goes. And then with the gymnast, I sit down and I think, okay, listen to the music with me. What do you feel with this music? And if she can kind of also write down words and then we come together and we can make a story and a character. And this always helps the gymnast much better to understand the movement. Mm. And when I actually create, the music tells me what the movement has to be. For me, that's quite simple, but it has to mean something. Like if I'm pushing my arm out, I'm pushing my arm and saying, go away, I don't want you here. And this is the way I create with the gymnast. So she okay. knows that this means something, this routine. It's not just dancing on music and acrobatics. Yeah. It's a performance. Again, every, every movement has intention behind Absolutely. it. In the same way that any other aspect of their gymnastics would have that Absolutely. intention. And that you can do as a choreographer, you can even make up. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if it's this or that. It's that, and that's art, mm. that's art. So that moment when you've got Celine, you know, playing that character as a cat, that introductory session, that needs an outstanding amount of, of confidence, doesn't it? For her to yeah. have the, the trust in you and the, well, basically, yeah, just the, just the confidence to go through those movements without worrying about being embarrassed and all those yeah. other kind of feelings, which I'm sure for the coaches that are listening, they're thinking, oh, we can't get that out of our athletes because they're too shy. They haven't got the character. But we know that Celine getting to that stage is not by accident. It's not just because she is Celine and she's a world-class gymnast. That has been intentionally taught yeah. and nurtured. Yeah. What would your advice be to coaches that need to develop that confidence with their own athletes? I mean, okay. how do you how do you build that? Okay, so with Celine, that's it, it, it's a case where she was a, a very uh, very good athlete, and she's uh, done many competitions. So I actually trusted that that would that would be easy for yep. her. So that's an extreme case mm -hmm. of artistry, I think. Yeah. What I would do with a normal gymnast or a junior gymnast is do the let her know what I believe the character or situation or story behind her routine is. We learn the routine, she works on it, she comes back. Okay, now let's try to get the character in there. So let's start with some faces, yeah? So I think you feel this in this movement, so you should make this face. Or this movement means this, you're sad and you have to push out to desperation, yeah? Mm -hmm. So I use words like this. Then we try to build that, um, the characterization I like to call it. And this whole process then makes the theme or the story of the routines. So with a, an, a, a gymnast that's not at an elite level, so a, a Celine, sure. that's usually the end process. Mm -hmm. So first it's create, well, construct is the, uh, the, the choreographers. Yeah. Construct what, what style of music, how do I write it out, what goes where? That's, I think, the easy part. Then it's create, you work with the gymnast, this movement works for her, this movement is good, this movement's not so good, let's try something else. Then it's, okay, let's make a character. What is your story? Let's work on that. 
and go back and keep doing it. It's something you have to keep back, keep doing. Mm -hmm. So let it go for a while, do a competition or two. Mm, we have to go back to work on that characterization in the faces. And that's how you can work with any gymnast actually at any level. And do you ever get resistance to those facial expressions? For sure. Yeah. So, because sure. obviously I, I know that you, um, like myself, you do a lot of traveling around the world. You're in high demand for your, you know, expertise in this area. There must be times that, you know, you're working with an athlete that hasn't come through the Dutch system sure. and it's not integral. So what, when you've got that, that athlete that doesn't want to make the facial expressions, yeah. how do you get that out of them? How do you kind of nurture it? And The best way is, is to work with acting um, games. So yeah. like really stupid, funny games. Mm -hmm. and let, let the group do stupid things like walk across the, the red carpet as a model and be really stupid. Okay. And first of all, get the giggles out. Yeah. Because obviously they're uncomfortable, so they're giggling. So we first start with a lot of games that it becomes sort of normal. And then let's, okay, let's now, let's do your choreography and your, let's do your character. Let's say you're the queen or whatever. Yeah. So then it's, it's still a game, but then your third girls are more comfortable to open up to it. And this take, may take a little bit of time, mm. but it will come out then. Then the, then the gymnast will be able to accept, okay, I'm going to be someone else for a minute. Yeah. This is acting. It's plain acting. And anyone can do it. And it develops trust within the team as well, sure. that, they're, that they're in a safe place. It's psychological sure. safety. And my, and my suggestion is um, start this young, because I, I would find pre-teen um, athletes mm -hmm. will be more open to this than if you start this in the puberty. So I would say pre-teen, do these games, do fun little acting lessons and be different characters that when you actually have to start doing elite, elite type of routines, yeah. then it's more normal. So uh, yeah, we already start doing that at a young age in the Netherlands. Makes sense. Yeah. Again, like a handstand. I mean, it's, yeah. for it's, you guys, it's as important for them to be able to, to perform. It's artistic gymnastics. And this is, yeah. on, this is the artistry point. Mm. It's not just technique. It's not just uh, uh, flying on the bars. It's the artistry part. I guess it's um, as, mu as much as you'd like to see the rest of international gymnastics raise up their artistic abilities, it's kind of, at the minute, it's your competitive advantage, isn't it? Or one of your competitive advantages. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many coaches there are in, in the world that have gone through performing arts uh, training. I'm sure there are some. Yeah, but the but depth I, that yourself and Patrick, for example, yeah. have been through. And so, yeah, maybe uh, other, other uh, federations want to hire some uh, acting coaches. Maybe that's uh, to yeah. their benefit, but um, this, is, this is just normal for us. Yeah, and, it's, and that's it. It's day-to-day. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not just a guy that's flying in, flying out. No. You know, with your athletes, you're there every day. That your national help. team. It does help. Yeah. So it's, um, again, I keep linking this back to having a physical preparation coach or an integral part of your program yeah. being physical prep. And yeah. um, I just think it's a really good lesson for, for the coaches that are listening. That if, when you, if you want to get good at something, you've got to have um, a heavy investment of time. Absolutely. You've got to do it with intention. Um, and you've got to have super high standards. Because at the end of the day, there's probably many other coaches, if you look at the globe, um, yeah. that have got a performing arts background. Yeah. But what you guys have got is that combined with super high standards, yeah. a vision, a great work ethic. And I think it, that's, that's important as well. Because I mean, how many coaches are there that are technically qualified in teaching vault floor? Well, hundreds of thousands. Sure. How many can produce a double twisting Yachenko? Not many. Not so many. it's, yeah, it's not just about the experience, is it? It's about, um, you know, how high are people's standards? And I talk about this a lot when I walk into gyms. The difference between high-performing coaches and low-performing coaches starts with what they deem acceptable. Yeah. You know, is that is that leg straight to you? Well, it's not straight to Damon, but it seems to be straight to you. Right. You know, that handstand line, that wouldn't be straight for Damon, but it seems to be straight for you. So I call it the standards gap. 
and it's something that a lot of coaches can can just pick up on straight away and they can improve but they've got to have desire they've got to have uh, yeah the motivation to do it and and the, and the work ethic. And that's what we have in the gym. The, the first m minute we start our, our, our training, we start with the physical program. It's about an hour long, but that's already artistic. So if the girls, let's say, are doing a pull-up, it's already with your feet all the way stretched, legs are straight, you have a good uh, chest position, that it already has to look pretty. Yeah. Everything you do has to look as beautiful as possible. And that's so it's ingrained that this is artistic. Mm. Even if it's a simple thing like you're doing, yeah, I don't know, a squat jump and a, and, a, and a straight jump. Yeah, stretch your feet through, stretch your hips. So it's ingrained in the gymnast that everything is expected to be beautiful and yep. artistic. And when you've got, for example, your developmental camps that come in at a national level, they come in straight away and they, they get it immediately because they're seeing the juniors and the seniors perform and train Absolutely. in that same way. So all of a sudden they're stepping into an environment and it's like, well, this is how we do things around here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you are expected to point it's your toes culture. and straighten your legs. It's, it's culture. Yeah. yeah, which takes time. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. When people don't fit into that culture, what are, tend to be the, the consequences? Consequences is a harsh word, but yeah. um, is it an educational piece? Uh, are there times when it's a case of, you know, you're just not the right fit for us, athlete or coach or expert? For sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And l uh, let's say this gymnast does, uh, does not want to stretch her legs or does not want to make it beautiful. Yeah. And let's say the program is quite good, that she has a good uh, D score, but it's just going to be... Uh, deducted because of the, the form or artistry or performance. Yeah. And it's not congruent with the rest of the, the brand, not. if you like, and what you guys represent. For sure not. For sure not. So they have trouble. Yeah. Again, that's, that's you guys setting a benchmark of going, well, this is what we represent. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. It's, uh, it is fantastic. It's, it's working, you know, world leaders at that, I would say, Yeah. you know, you know what you're going to expect. You know what to expect when you, your team walks out on the floor. So, And also us as choreographers now in Holland, mm. we think, okay, now we've gone this far. Now we have to step it up as well because we have to top ourselves even. Sure. So you're continually innovating because you, you know that people will copy. It's, you know, or they'll try to yeah. copy at least anyway. Yeah. You know. And I see countries that are, that are really uh, trying to do the choreography and making uh, steps in the right direction. And that's great. Okay, it's not maybe not necessarily our same style, which is also fine, but I like to see that, okay, I see a performance on that floor. Yeah. yeah. I see this um, uh, Spanish uh, gymnast, Rodriguez. Yep. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. My favorite routine at the whole uh, World Championship. Well, it's right, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite routine. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, and yeah, the Spanish team, they sit, they're going to the Olympic Games. Amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. So that's awesome. Yep. So you can see, okay, yeah, so some federations, you know, are, their eyes are open. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. That makes the sport more beautiful. Yeah. Any other standout floor routines for you from Worlds? Mm, that's hard. Uh, this girl from Austria, Leah Lisa Hammerlin. No, <laughs> no, but you should be proud of that one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada for me had some great routines, of course. Um, I think I, I, I enjoyed the Belgian team as well. Yeah, French team. The Belgians really commit to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They you have their see. own style for sure, and they they go for it. I've I've seen them at camps, and they really uh, they go full out their choreo every time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, com commitment. Big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't do time. don't do it half-heartedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about your favorite routines in you know historically? Have you got a couple that spring to mind straight away? For my favorite historically of all time is Kathy Johnson, 1978, and I think she won a bronze medal uh, on floor with this routine. Okay, just classic and beautiful, and it really flows from the first moment to last, and it's I for me pure artistry. Mm. And the tumbling was nothing really special, but it was just a real performance. Yep. And I had the, I had a videotape from, I think, like 1990. And it was like a, the history of uh, gymnastics. 
And that routine was on there. And that was really since, I guess I was 14 at the time, that was like, wow, I want to create that one day. Yep. That's my goal, to create something like this. We certainly did that. Well, I'm an artist, so yep. I think, okay, it never, every, nothing is ever good enough. Like mm -hmm. if I see a routine I did, I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah, but that could have been a bit better. Maybe I should have done that there. So when I see the creations I have made, and I'm of course proud of them, but I haven't, haven't, I feel like I haven't made that routine yet. Okay. I'm still going for You're the, waiting for it. Yeah, I'm still going for the <laughs> next level, the next yeah. level. So you but, don't celebrate enough of the successes, do you think? Like when, uh, when that, when, yeah, the day of Celine, that was really cool. And um, yeah. I felt like I was a part of that for sure. Mm. But it was also her performance. Like if it was a different gymnast, I'm not sure if it would have worked. Okay. So she owned it. Yeah, mm. she earned it. So yeah, some of the routines I've done, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm proud of myself. That's a cool routine. Yeah. And what do you most find difficult about coaching in general? I mean, I can feel where the love for it is, but, you know, talking to any high performance coach, there's the, there's a, uh, a difficult side of it as well. You know, it's a challenging side. It's not easy yeah. with that level of commitment. So is there sure. anything specific that you find difficult? Um, the time commitment is, of course, demanding, mm. but that's something I've kind of always been used to with uh, performing arts as well. Um, Age groups are different, so I know with the with the young age group, I have to coach a certain way. With the with the uh, teenagers, it's also a different way, and the seniors is is different. So it's like, yeah, being adaptable. Yeah, mm. teaching behavior. Then it's a uh, yeah. With the teenagers, they're growing, so it's like you have to be patient and not try not to get injuries, and that's that's also frustrating because you want to go 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 and get the program done. Yeah. So that's a lot of patience. And then with the seniors, it's, of course, um, more psychological work. Mm -hmm. But in all three, I, I love it. Yeah. But that's also difficult when you have a, let's say I'm coaching a group of six, six girls and they're from all three of those age groups. And you really have to kind of jump around in your coaching style. Yeah. So that's something uh, that's difficult, but I, I do my best. Sure. Yeah. It's best. a challenge, but it's yeah. that you enjoy that challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but um, what excites you more, uh, a young athlete that's could potentially be very artistic. I mean, I know they all could, but you know, like just got the the awareness, the confidence, the, I guess the body for it in terms of like the movement understanding. Yeah. Um, or an athlete of the same age who's clearly going to be a double-double kid and maybe a two and a half twisting Yachenko. Which one really is more exciting as a project for you? I, I would say both. I wouldn't have not a preference you at can't, all. You can't choose? No. Yeah, okay. No, I love acrobatics. Yeah, and I, yeah. love, I love vault. And yeah, I've got some juniors doing some good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen some good stuff. But um, at this, yeah, at the same time also is a, a, a young gymnast who can't move as well as some others. But I also make that a challenge. So, okay, I'm going to make this kid a good mover. Yep. And yeah, the elegant kids are also great. And you can really make some nice floor routines. So... But I, I don't have a preference. I don't like favor the artistic ones at all because mm -hmm. gymnastics is two sided. It is this, this athletic part. Yeah, that's okay. This is sport. This is right. This is wrong. And there's, there's the artistic sport, which is nothing is wrong. Mm. What's your proudest moment coaching? It's difficult. Um, yeah. Also, I feel like I yeah I, I have to get there. Or, or a few because um, you've had some you've had some great results. I mean, not we're not just talking about choreography here. Yeah. Like I said at the start, you're an all around coach, yeah. and you know you've just had a couple of athletes qualify for for Tokyo, sure, um, which is a massive achievement. So sure. congratulations for that. So you know, is there anything that stands out? Sure. Uh, well, I was with uh, Shireen Elzani in, in Rio, and um, mm -hmm. we went. Yeah, the process was not a, a great because she was she had she was sick in Rio, and so we 
where the, the trainings were um, not as less than optimum. Yeah. yeah. So then two days before podium, she was able to do something and then we did a podium and then yeah, the competition came and I was like, okay, hope something comes out here. But she yeah. rocked it and she had a great bar routine. So mm -hmm. that was like a nice moment on, on that Olympic stage to really yes. maximize uh, your potential uh, on that day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, of course, like you say, um, these two, the two foreign gymnasts that work with us, so Lisa Hammer, they're from Austria and Mandy uh, Magub that also competes for Egypt. Egypt, um, yeah. We had a strategy, um, Patrick and I, with these two, like, okay, we're going to get them uh, a program that they can do, that they're confident with, nothing crazy, but we just have to go out there and not only hit for events, but do it artistically mm -hmm. and have great floor routines and just move so beautifully on that beam that uh, they're going to also be rewarded with their artistry. And that totally won. That, that, that strategy really, really worked. Yeah. So that was nice to see that 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 was a, a good long process and um, and that worked. So yeah. that was that was kind of cool. That was a cool moment. All well. right, and saying they both qualified for Tokyo, both qualified. Yeah. So you had you had had athletes from three different nations in Stuttgart all yeah. qualified for Tokyo. Well, we had uh, one Egyptian, Mandy yeah. and Elisa, and then Etor qualified with the team. Of course, she, of course, she has to qualify with the team. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. you're right. So. Yeah. Yeah, hope that happens. Hope that happens. Yeah, that's what that's what I meant there. Yeah. You know, in terms of team qualified. So, yeah. yeah, I mean that's outstanding. It's fantastic. And what an experience for you as a coach as well, of course, to to go, you know, be in those environments. Um, you know, with with because uh, as a junior national coach, right. am I right in saying you wouldn't normally necessarily be on the floor with the seniors? I mean, I know you, right. you you are a personal coach also to some of the seniors, but um, right. So I'm quite busy. So I'm sure. developmental beam coach. Uh, yeah, and the junior national coach. So I'm kind of in charge of the camps um, and the competitions uh, along with Kevin Mearsma. He's the um, uh, national coach. And then, yeah, I'm a club coach as well with Patrick and we have uh, gymnasts uh, with, and I have some seniors there as well. So yeah. I have many hats um, and it's a big balance, mm. but I also am quite inspired to be able to go to world championships or an Olympic games with these seniors. And uh, I also take that knowledge with me when I go to a junior competition because that experience helps a lot. And um, I can also help the other junior coaches that are also up and coming yep. of how the things work. So yeah, I find the experience yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Uh, um, unbelievable. So, well, congratulations. Thanks a lot. Um, last couple of things. So um, your parting advice for coaches that want to make their athletes more artistic. A couple of things. What's the first two things that come to your mind? Okay. Try to get some knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if that's as simple as, okay, my girl has a routine. What kind of music is this? Is it salsa music? Okay, I'm going to YouTube what is salsa movement. Take three of those movements and then use that as a basis for a routine. Mm. Um, you can look at her movements. Okay, does this movement, is this movement as big as possible? Again, it can be the most simple movement. Yeah, and then try to make it as big as possible. And then you, you'll you see the biggest difference. And sometimes you don't... the. Coaches don't think about that or choreographers don't think about, okay, that's the movement. Yeah, okay, it looks good. Now mm -hmm. let's make it better. Okay, let's add something to that. Let's add a face to that. Let's add a long neck to that. So really take every movement or something that has to do with the style of the movement and take it to the next level. Take it further. Make it bigger. I like that. Just in itself, take it to the next level. Take that level. I mean, that's the, because no, just that, yeah. that yeah. message is just so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And we do that, I do it with the girls. I, okay, your arm movement is up and down and up and down. Now with the chest, now with the head, now with your whole body is moving. It, it's a big movement that's with the 3D. Mm. And Which any, is anyone can, anyone can do, do those things I just said. Yeah. With the knowledge. Yeah. 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 Well, again, I, I, you know. I think the biggest thing, Nick, is coaches have to have the confidence to do it. Okay. Just think, I'm going to try. I'm going to mess up. 
but I'm going to try again and, and t- take steps. Because yeah. most coaches think, yeah, I'm not a choreographer, I can't do it. Mm. But that's kind of giving up, I think. And it's a learnable skill. Absolutely. Just like anything else. I mean, you've had to learn. It's absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the athletes. So uh, good stuff. I mean, if everyone starts tomorrow yeah, and then, you know, they do a little bit every week, then in six months, they can be better than where they are now. Sure. And yeah, there might be some failure in there, if you like, or some difficult you times. Fail or, you also fail when you're by the bars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Just same a mentality change, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that every coach can be good in all around. And in a movement, okay, you're not going to be as good in one thing as other, but no one is. But I, I think you're cutting yourself short by saying, oh, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at choreography or beam. I'm not going to do that. So mm-hmm. I'll, let, I'll let her go coach beam. And I think that's a shame because then let's say you're at the competition with her and that other co- the choreographer, let's say, is not. Then you can't coach that girl on beam. Then she falls and you're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I think that's nice that as an all-around coach and choreographer at a competition, I can give all the tips and tricks that are needed. Even, uh, yeah, okay, let, let's get this pure wet better before you go out there so you can actually get this element. Yep. And awesome. any, anyone can do that. Yep. Anyone. Very good. Damon, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think this is a really interesting conversation. Um, really looking forward to tomorrow. Me too. Um, for those that are listening, we are recording the event just like we've recorded the previous uh, three masterclasses, which have been what we've done so far, floor vault and physical preparation. So um, the recording for Damon's session tomorrow will be available potentially actually by the time that this comes out. So um, keep an eye on nickruddock.com and on my social media handles, which is just at Nick Ruddock. There'll be plenty of information about how you can get a hold of that. And I'm sure it's going to be, uh, as you can hear from this episode, just providing stacks of value as um, Damon takes a, a group of coaches through the whole process of constructing a routine, um, you know, getting it right on paper, implementing it and, and going through it live with a session. So really looking forward to that, Damon. And um, just want to firstly congratulate you, of course, for all your results so far, but then uh, also wish you luck for your continued mission to uh, Tokyo and beyond. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Gymnastics Growth Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes or your chosen podcast player, subscribe, leave a review and share the show with your network. See you next time.